I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, I talk with Scott Carson of WeCloseNotes.com. Scott is a nationally known expert on buying and selling mortgage notes. He's made a name for himself as, appropriately, the note guy. (laughs) He's got two podcasts and a successful coaching program that walks students through how to get started in this area of the real estate investing world. You'll hear pretty quickly how passionate Scott is about what he does, and it's honestly no surprise that he's grown his business as quickly as he has. In this episode, I pick Scott's brain more specifically on the marketing side of note investing, how to get in front of the right people that can send you underperforming notes to purchase. Spoiler alert, the key is persistence. He's been honing his craft for about 10 years and has learned an incredible amount along the way. He's eager to share that knowledge, so soak up everything you can. If what you hear in this episode leaves you wanting more, please go check out his podcast over on WeCloseNotes.com. He's doing an awesome job producing some extremely quality content. I hope that in this interview, you find practical insights that you can learn from or directly apply as you continue on your own journey in real estate. And now, here's my conversation with Scott. Okay, awesome. Well, today we have Scott Carson with us. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Brandon. Honored to be here, man. Good. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's really good to have you on. Um, so let me start with the, with the first question here, with just a general, how long have you been in the real estate world? Um, and then what got you involved? Oh, wow, man. I uh, got into the real estate world really in 2001, like many other people out there. I was watching HGTV sure. flip this house, <laughs> you know, right? Baby, I wanted to pick up paint and paint and carpet, you know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but now before it all sincerity, I grew up in a small town. My dad owned the local hardware store. So I grew up kind of doing everything from, you know, putting in a foundation to putting roofs on. So okay. when I graduated college and started a real job, that's one thing we thought about doing after buying our, our, our primary residence when I was married was, hey, we've got good credit. It's a good time to be buying. Let's go ahead and buy a couple rental properties. And that's what we did. And then within a, a period of about 90 days after funding on our first two investment properties, I got laid off. And uh, the major employer in the area here in, in uh, Austin is a, a computer company that rhymes with the hell uh, okay. that laid off a bunch of their <laughs> staff that were my tenants. So okay. I, I went from being a, a, a landlord to being a deadbeat borrower. Oh, <laughs> wow. And uh, fortunately for me, we were able to get our assets out of a sling. We got rid of the two investment properties, kept the primary, got back, you know, got back high, was making some money in a couple years later, a buddy of mine came to me and was starting a mortgage company here in Austin that was traveling um, the country, different real estate investment seminars and doing mortgages for investors. And I knew that's kind of the route I wanted to go. So I jumped on board with him and was fortunate enough to get a, uh, one of the brokers was a big, you know, fix and flipper and a, a guy t- that taught owner financing and wraparound mortgages and creative financing. And uh, I had basically from 2004 to 2008, basically an apprenticeship on, on creative financing and real estate. While okay. I was running the mortgage company. And then when everything hit the fan in 2008 with the mortgage debacle, I jumped from the origination side of the business to jumping over on buying distressed debt and mortgages. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 plus years now. 
Okay. So it sounds like, I mean, through the crisis, you know, you, I, I talked to people who, who started in real estate before and after um, everything fell apart, but it sounds like you had started before, but you just adapted huh? And just did something different to kind of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what are you currently up to? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. So what I have kind of built a name for myself as being known as the note guy across the country. I, I buy and sell distressed debt. So I buy mortgages from banks and hedge funds with a, the sole purpose in mind to try to rehab the borrower. Now, yes, we, we buy it and we look at the underlying property and the real estate and, and, and figure out the value of that. But we're buying uh, the mortgages usually at a substantial discount, usually at 50 cents of, of current market value or less. Okay. So that gives us a lot of flexibility when we approach the borrower and try to work out a payment plan, try to get them back on track, try to work out some sort of win-win solution so that they, you know, can have the, um, can attain the dream of home ownership and we can return a really good return on investment to us and keep them in the home if possible. Awesome. So, yeah, I know, um, you know, we've had, uh, we've had some people on the show talking about note investing and I I know a little bit about it, but I do know one thing that, uh, you got to get in front of those, uh, people who have distressed mortgages and who are in trouble. Um, and you gotta, you gotta find the notes and then you gotta get a hold of those people and work out a situation with them so they can, just like you said, um, get to a situation that, that, that you both win at. So, Tell me what I what I would love to talk to little uh, to you a little bit about today, Scott. Would be uh, marketing to those to those uh, sellers, to people um, who have um, distressed real estate situations, um, and that's that can obviously take a variety of um, that can manifest itself in a variety of ways. But uh, I just want to know a little bit about how you have uh, been getting to sellers. How have you been finding your target market uh, through marketing over the years? Um, so how how long through all of the things that you've done in real estate, how long have you been actively uh, marketing to sellers as part of your real estate business? So it's a little bit different animal when you're buying distressed debt because you're not going after you know borrowers or homeowners on the front end. Sure, most, sure. You know, most of the firms are doing postcards, yellow letters, door knocking, bandit signs. We don't do any of that. Okay. So I target the banks because that's where everything is at. And I don't want to go after one house. I want to get on the, in front of the bankers and get hundreds of houses every year from them in a different mm. variety of different lists. So inside the banks, the bigger banks, the smaller banks, they all have a department called the special assets department, or they go by secondary marketing department. Either It's either or one of those. And inside okay. those uh, departments, they're the people that are looking at the loans portfolio. And they're the ones that are handling moving the non-performing notes on either the residential or the commercial assets. So how do we get in touch with those people? It's all basically done electronically these days. Um, I spend a big time, uh, I should say my staff spends a big amount of time on LinkedIn and we just type in those two job titles okay. and we do, it pulls a search, hundreds of thousands of people. So we reach out to them um, or we use something like LeadFuse, which is a LinkedIn scrubber that allows for us to pull emails and then we'll email those asset managers as well. Say, hey, we, you know, we're looking to see what you have on your books. Would you have anything with any hair on it? You know, can we help take this off your books for you? You know, clear up your, your portfolio by the end of the year or the end of the quarter. And we just follow that up. There's also a couple websites like uh, laneguide.com, L-A-N-E-G-U-I-D.com, which is about $160 a year. That tracks you know, internal departments of the bank. Uh, my buddy Brett Palumbo has a software company called uh, Distress Pro that also tracks the quarterly reports that the uh, the banks file with the FDIC to see which banks have increased uh, ratios of, of uh, reserves and then also non-performers. So that helps us target the banks that have stuff that we can take a look at and get on their list as an investor that they're, they're sending us out a, 
spreadsheet, or as we call it in the industry, a tape every month, every quarter, or every six months. And so over the last 10 years, we've built a pretty extensive email list of over 5,000 asset managers at banks that we reach out to. And I would love it if they all had something every month, but that's not the case. So right. but enough out of 5,000 where we'll get you know 10 to 15% open ratio on an email usually leads to a couple lists that come our way that we can cherry pick from or work our way out. And really, you know, the, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when the bank tells you, hey, I'm motivated to move this. And they'll often tell you the price. And then you can look at that and see if it makes sense and do your own due diligence. If it makes sense, great. If not, you can counter. And if not, you just wait for another list to show up. So, Wow, that's interesting. So you, I mean, how you, I can imagine that those, as you're scrubbing the emails from something like LinkedIn and uh, you're reaching out to these people, aren't they getting... I mean, so many other requests with the same thing. How do you get make sure you're at the top of the inbox or that you get replied to? It, actually, they they aren't. Most people don't know about these little departments. Interesting. And okay. while I'll give you an example, like uh, a couple of years ago, I, I spent <laughs> three weeks and over 70 phone calls to get into the head of special assets for Capital One Bank. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I got hung up on or transferred to Pakistan or India. It was, it was a lot. Yeah, okay? yeah. But once I got into the department, the lady there says, okay, great. She makes me sign an NDA, sends me a, a list. And it was a 33-page PDF with all their small commercial loans that were under a million dollars in balance all across the country in six-point font. Okay? Very, very <laughs> small print because they would squeeze it on there. Well, I make my first offering. We end up closing on an eight-unit apartment complex in San Diego for less than 50 cents of value. And the assistant accidentally sends an email out to the entire list and only carbon copies everybody, doesn't blind carbon copy. Nice, nice. And so there was on that list was 548 note buyers, note investors for all of Capital One's thousands and thousands of assets. So it's, it's a, we're a smaller niche of people out there. Um, what happens a lot of time in this business, uh, brand with like anything else, I will say 80% of the sales are made of the fifth contact. So a lot of people, they get they love the idea. Maybe they'll make phone calls and, and, and try to you know make 50 phone calls in a day, but they won't stick to it. Or they'll send one email out one month and then not follow up with those that opened the email or never follow back up. So most of our, I'll say our profits, our money is made just the follow-up, following up with asset managers on a monthly basis so that, hey, what do you have this month? You know, I see that you've, you've added some non-performers based on your quarterly reports. We can help you with those. Hmm. So well, I've only been... Honestly, my 10 years, I've only, I would say it's probably less than 20 times that I've called an asset manager and they've had somebody else that called trying, you know, dialing for dollars at the same time. It's, it's There's so many lenders out there and so many special assets departments. They may get emails occasionally from some people, but most people don't follow through. And I'm like a dog on a bone. If you get, if I have a hint that there's a bit of meat out there, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to hang on to that bone for all my life. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's really interesting. That's not what I would have expected. That um, that not many people are reaching out. I would have figured figured that your email would have been um, just one of hundreds, and so that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, as you have, uh, I'm sure, adapted over the year. How long have you been actually uh, been on this side of the business buying notes? Uh, over a decade now. So I started okay, in okay. 2008 when everything hit the fan and, and just started dialing for dollars. Cause 10 years ago, it was a much different market than it is today. LinkedIn was barely around. And yeah, you know, we, uh, you know, we, our two biggest things is we do a lot with LinkedIn. We do a lot with email blasts and, and drip market. You know, I've got 12 months of emails written and scheduled to go out to asset managers. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So at, over that 10 years, as you just alluded to, what 
how have you seen things change? I mean, LinkedIn, like you said, wasn't even around. I mean, how how has it? How have you had to adapt? You getting in front of the right people um, to get the deals. So as the markets rebounded and the values have gone better, I've had to increase what I pay for is one thing, but okay. it's also it's literally just falling because people will move from bank to bank. So it's a matter of it's kind of like a five step approach. One, if we can get their email address, great, we send them an email. If I can connect with them on LinkedIn, I send them a LinkedIn connection and a short message, you know, inside of an email or I attach a little short, like one minute video, a little bit more about who I am. I then follow up with a phone call if I've got their phone number or I call the bank and can track them down now that I have a name and a position. If they've opened my email, great. I'll follow up with another email. If they haven't opened up my email, I'll resend that same email that I said the first time, usually 48 to 72 hours after the first one, but at an opposite time. So it's it's all about building like marketing systems to be effective. Um, where I used to just basically dial for dollar, you know, 50 to 100 phone calls in a day. So that, you know, doing it three times a week at the end of like Thursday afternoon, I found a whole lot like I'm a fud. Because <laughs> my tongue was so swollen from, uh, from you know, making so many phone calls. It's, it's, it's almost like a scene out of uh, the movie The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. You know, yeah. for dollars like that or the, the boiler room. Yeah, that's what it seems like a lot is, is dollars wow. for dollars. But over time, you start developing these relationships with these asset managers and you don't have to do as much phone calls. You don't do as many email blasts because yeah. they're going to feed you lists because you're their guy. I mean, or you're the person that just never gives up and you don't need too many of those banks to be sending you lists on a regular basis to, to have a very profitable existence. That's really interesting. And it sounds like you, I mean, it sounds like you've <clears throat> made a lot of changes to make sure that you're continually getting uh, to the right people and getting the deals coming in on a consistent basis. So what, what is something that, um, that you're doing currently that is a little bit more experimental or cutting edge that you guys haven't done much with b- uh, before, but you're seeing, seeing some success with? Is there something right now you have that um, is newer that you've yeah, we've been using we've been using a lot of text message marketing. And oh, so- okay. As we as we build our database with asset managers and also our bot, our note buyers or investors are looking for deals, we've been using you know text message marketing. Hey, do you have you know send them a text message? Hey, what do you have on your books this month that we could take a look at? You know, hmm. or hey, we've got a list of Alabama assets and you're on our list of as an Alabama investor that might be interested. Here's a list of here's a link to the list of new Alabama assets that we have. And so, because people will open a text message about eighty five percent of the time versus an email might be fifteen percent of the time. Right. So. That's what some of the stuff that we've been incorporating in the last, I guess, really the last six months for the most part, is just doing that to follow up with uh, asset managers. We ask them, "Hey, do you mind if we should text message?" You know, you know, we know a lot of people are on their phone versus being on their computer. Do you mind if we just shoot you a quick text? You can always opt out, and it, it's a pretty low opt out rate for the most part. But we, we, what's great is you, they're responding and getting assets sent to us, which is really nice. Okay, so I was going to say, I bet that um, phone numbers are obviously much much harder to get your hands on. But these are after you've established a relationship, you're asking if you can follow up with a text, and then that's kind of how you're staying in communication with them. That's exactly right, Brandon. Okay, so okay. we'll reach out to the bank, or we can we'll get a name off of uh, Lane Guide or uh, you know different mortgage banking association websites across the country as their office number, and then through communication back and forth. Hey, do you have your cell phone? You mind if we call on your cell phone or? Just shoot you a text message so we're not bothering you, especially because, you know, a lot of these banks have really kind of extensive spam filters. They don't let a lot of attachments come through and right. things like that. So the more touches that we have for them, the better. And some of us just prefer us to send them an e- a message on LinkedIn every month versus 
an email because they actually see that where they may not get our email. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I'm curious also to know as you've um, been doing this for so long and you see people come in the business and come out of the business, um, what what's something as you see people starting um, on this side of, of real estate? So uh, no investing, uh, buying uh, non-performing uh, mortgages. What do you see as far as the marketing side um, to stick to that? What do you see one of the biggest mistakes that uh, new investors that are new to this, uh, what, what biggest mistake do you see them making most? Not often? having patience. <laughs> okay. Most people, when they get into this, they come from a job and they're used to working 40 hours for the man, right? When they're out mm-hmm. doing something on their own real estate, they take it very elastic days ago and they often are ex- expect overnight success. Mm-hmm. You know, Oh, I'm going to send one email. I'm going to have a thousand assets sent to me. That's never how it works. You know, are they, you know, yeah. they mail postcards for the first time and they expect to get the, uh, the phone to ring off the hook and they're they're getting one phone call. That's the biggest thing I see new investors struggling is they don't realize that there is a game to this. You have to realize there's a process to this. I, I tell our students all the time, like, listen, expect us to take at least five or six contacts mm-hmm. before they will even talk to you. Now, sometimes, I mean, I've, I've been places and had people make a, a phone call, the first phone call on the asset manager answered and had three deals for him immediately. That's hardly ever the case. Mm-hmm. Usually it's going to take that email. Of getting on. They're going to have to see, especially as a brand new investor, you've got to build that kind of, I guess you can say the online notoriety of it, like you're actually going to be around longer than somebody who's just starting out. Yeah, so sure. you, gotta, you do the time, you've got to um, you put the effort in, you got to hone it a little bit. You got to follow up and follow up and follow up because that's re- really where all the deal is because uh, I think I, I saw that 50% of people never send a follow-up email over 50%. Wow. And, o- and only a quarter percent of people send, you know, do two follow-ups. Okay. Mm-hmm. And only 10% will do a fourth follow-up. So if you can do a fifth one, you're in the top, you know, top 10% of people out there to get stuff closed. And you're probably going to come across a whole lot more stuff than most people are doing it once or twice. And then they're just going to complain about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet if nothing else, I mean, if people are looking um, to to work with somebody, they may, I mean, be waiting to see if you stick around, right? Like, is this just another one-off email or am I going to get three or four from this guy? Cause he's in it for the long haul. So exactly. And then taking the time to really make sure that your email looks and sounds professional. Sure. And I've seen emails and you'd be surprised where there's errors and it looks like somebody's yeah. from, somebody's from the ghetto, you know, yeah. It, the email just doesn't look good. I mean, the thing with Infusionsoft or MailChimp or Aweber or, or Salesforce, yes, that those items are going to cost you a little bit monthly, but it's a tool. You know, it, it's a good tool that will work t- as long as you use it. You don't want to be like, you know, you don't want to sign up for something and then just donate to Infusionsoft for two years before you actually start doing right. something with it. Right. There, there's a lot of t- uh, tr- training and a lot of tools that you can use to really help yourself stand out from the crowd. And it also, if you're using those tools, you can see who opened your email. You know, you can see who opened it two or three times. Well, if somebody mm-hmm. opened your email three times, that's probably a person you need to call immediately because they've looked at your email more than once. Yeah, for sure. Um, that That's actually... Um... I want to ask more about that because it sounds like, I mean, email is a really primary mode of communication for you guys to get to the people you need to get to. So how do you guys set yourself apart in your emails? I've seen people, you know, you do everything. They make it, they they go too far and they make it look like too much. I've seen people send um, just 
sing just simple text because sometimes people are going so to the other side of it. Simple yeah. text looks so much more personal. It looks like somebody that you know is writing you. What 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 balance do you guys strike and how do you guys kind of format your emails to stand out? So I my favorite color is green. Okay. Bright green. And so okay. my emails are always gonna be the bright green. I've even had asset managers, oh I was looking for the green email. Uh, <laughs> you know, or they say, I've gotten your email six months in a row. I didn't have anything till now to send you. So that's one thing. We're always putting our logo and I'm always putting my smiling face somewhere on that email. Okay. I think a lot of investors get like to hide behind their logo and that's great. But, you know, Mike Perry over at Condor is going to get an email from an entity he may not know, but he may remember me and my face from the fact that we drank beers in Vegas at a conference one time, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one big thing. Second thing is just, Taking the time, you know, your first template you put together on an email blast is going to take some time. Don't get frustrated. Go ahead and spend the time to put your name, you know, have it coming from you. Uh, Keep it short and sweet. You don't need to, most of these asset managers don't have time to read a a whole freaking novel. Sure, sure. You know, you want to keep it like three short paragraphs. Hey, hey, here's what I'm looking for. What do you have? You know, here's a little bit about me. You can put a link to your LinkedIn profile. That's a great thing to do. Because if they click on your photo, you can go to your LinkedIn profile and see who's clicked and who's viewed your profile is a great way to follow back up that way. Mm-hmm. So just make it kind of simple and sweet. Too many people will put like all their social media handles right at the top. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, don't do that. They're not here to be friends with you. Keep that down to the bottom or remove that it all sense. totally when you send out. Mm-hmm. Have you have you experimented with video at all? Have you ever sent like video clips or just oh, pictures? I love it. Okay. Yeah, Brandon, we do a lot with video. And so- okay. I think you need to keep your your videos to asset managers under two minutes, preferably. Yeah, you know, straight to the point. I almost kind of you want your emails to almost kind of if you're a sports fan, look like ESPN.com. Photo or photo or video at the top, highlight, and then a short little description of what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's and that's a beautiful thing because you can say a lot in a two minute video than you can in a paragraph, and they may not be able to read that paragraph. Or, you know, but they can watch that video and they'll, you know, tell us a little bit your personal. You know, I have a, where my logo is behind me or an office setting. I'm specifically stating clearly what I'm looking for and how I can help them, you know, with their portfolio um, or what they have on their books from their quarterly reports. Hey, I saw that you've got, you know, 2 billion and, you know, nine, 90 day accruals. We'd love to take a look at that list and see it help you out. Or we saw that you acquired uh, ABC Central Texas Bank six months ago. Are you ready to, you know, to, to move those off your books this time around? You know, those little things, it, it helps you stand out from the crowd. And everybody's going to video these days, so you might as well get on that train as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. That's really, really practical advice, I think, for a lot of people who are looking to get started. So thanks for running through that. Um so I also wanted to ask you something. This is something that uh, I know my my listeners and I can learn a lot from, obviously, from people like you. Um, you're extremely forward thinking. You're always um, pushing, pushing, pushing. So I'm curious to know, as you look at, at, at your business and as you look to grow it, where do you see yourself? Um, it could be in terms of numbers of, of, of uh, deals you're closing in a year or employees that you have, whatever. What are some goals that you're setting for yourself and your business that one year from now, uh, where do you hope to be? What do you hope to be accomplished? Well, that's a great question, Brandon. Um, what surprisingly is our podcast has really helped blossom into driving business to us. We have asset oh, cool. managers that have listened to some of our episodes and called me from listening to it. That's so, great. yeah, I think I think one big thing everybody has to realize these days, yes, we're all in real estate, fixed flipping, landlording, you know, wholesaling, <laughs> notes. But first and foremost, these days, we're all in the media business. Everybody's yeah, trying to grab so it. true. You know, everybody's trying to grab our eyes and our ears. 
So the more you can put out content wise, as far as video or audio stuff, the, the better you're going to be because a, if you put it out in video, you've got YouTube as the second largest search engine going to help you out with that. And it's owned by Google. So you might as well throw that stuff out there, but that's <laughs> one of the biggest things that's helped us close more deals is when we're doing like asset profiles, like at a, a condo, a couple of condo notes we bought in South Austin. We had a New York hedge fund call us cause they bought a tape that had like six other notes in and around that area. And our video was the only thing in that area uh, that was relevant. So they called me on the blue and asked me if I wanted to buy those six assets. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so that's the big thing is, is, is treat your business professional. Don't treat it as a hobby and don't go wrong. If you love what you do, great. But if you want your side hustle to become your full time, take a little bit of time and get used to do a shoot shorting and you know, shooting short little videos, little informational stuff. Hey, about who's Brandon Reed or who's Scott Turner or whoever, what it is and what you're focused on and talk about the case studies you've done. We're not talking about an hour long, uh, you know, public access uh, infomercial. We're just mm -hmm. talking about a hey, short little videos will go a long way. And then you've only got to say it once versus saying it a thousand times. And you can rinse and repeat that video all across the internet. Mm. I think we'll end up doing, and there's another thing I think we'll end up closing about a thousand deals in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 That's amazing. How many people do you have working like in your operation to make a thousand deals happen? So, so we buy a lot in bulk a lot of times. So okay. I'm, I'm very fortunate that in the note space, we've got a lot of vendors that kick in and help out. Like we have a servicing company that handles most of the bar outreach. You know, we have attorneys in every state that we're buying from. Uh, I have a full-time asset manager who works remotely in New Jersey and I'm in Austin, Texas. She used to work for my servicing company. But she handles a lot of the borrower outreach or the the follow up, the making sure documents are you know handled. She coordinates with the attorneys. I have a full time marketing gal, uh, a VP of operations, and of course my accountant, my attorney here local at time. So we we kind of run with a, a small staff, which is kind of nice. That's great. Um, when I had the mortgage company, we had a big big staff, and it was like being an adult babysitter. So that was owned, <laughs> beaten in my head to keep it lean and mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. But the thing is, you're, once you've got systems up and running in the note business space, you can really exponentially grow your business uh, relatively quickly. I always tell people, hey, buy one, two or three notes, get your feet wet, move to 10, 20, and then, then go from there. That's great. Um, so something else for you. If you could go back uh, to 2000 and well, one is with the first date you gave me, but I guess over the last maybe let's say 10 years as you've been doing note investing, if you could go back and um, tell yourself uh, that that version of yourself something, uh, any one thing that you could tell that version of yourself that you've learned over the last 10 years that could save yourself the most trouble, what would that what would that be? <laughs> Two things. One, buy more. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> 10 years ago, everything was a whole lot cheaper than it is yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and second, I would say is, whew, that's a good one. Um, second thing I would say is just, you're never going to go wrong with good accountants or good attorneys. Yeah. So okay. more invest yeah. in understanding asset protection and, and retirement accounts and things like that. And, and, and taxes, that's going to pay off tenfold. It may not be the most exciting stuff, but the more time you can spend with it, it's going to exponentially grow in the, in, in the long run and, and give you different ways to make money, save money and pay a whole lot less taxes. And it's, it's so, so valuable. So spend more time on that in the front end. I didn't do a lot of that in the front end. Okay. And I had some deals that kind of drug out and I had to get involved with some other things uh, along the way, but Hey, we, we always work to get things taken care of and fixed. So yeah. that would be the two things, buy more assets when stuff's cheap and, uh, you know, spend more time with the asset protection and, uh, you yeah. know, accounting. 
It sounds like it sounds like those two things would have saved you, yeah, a lot of trouble. That's two great pieces. <laughs> save anybody a lot of trouble. Let's just put it. That. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I know Scott, you'd mentioned your your podcast. Um, I think you actually have a couple, if I saw right. Um, where can people find those? If people are more interested in learning more about this and want to hear directly from you, like your style, how can they find those those uh, those podcasts? Really easy. Just they just have to go to our my website, weclosenotes.com. Uh, and we have the Note Closer Show podcast, which we just celebrated our 500th episode this week. Oh, that's amazing. Awesome. Thanks, thanks man. Then we have a couple smaller ones that are just kind of offshoots of webinars that we do on a, on a you know, one's a, we do a Monday night, a coaching call called Note Night in America that we take those videos and turn them into a podcast. And then we do special purpose like series for like online summits that we do called like Note Camp. And we will take the replays from all the speakers and throw that into a, a podcast. But weclosenotes.com, got all the information, all the all the links that you'll need to go to to find anything that we have. Perfect. Well, this was all really invaluable, Scott. I, th- I appreciate you taking the time and running me through this. Answer my questions. Thank you, Brandon. Great. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, if you're listening to this, click on over to iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. Leave them a five-star review. Brandon's doing an amazing <laughs> job. Busting his butt. That's the least bit of lifting you can do for him tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, bud. If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at realestatefortherestofus.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.